I'm excited to be able to start um, this series with you guys. We're going to be, uh, over the next two months, we're going to be um, launching into a series called Gods at War. And uh, we're going to be focusing in on this idea of, uh, of idols and, and uh, worshiping idols. Uh, when I was a kid, I love the superheroes theme. When I was a kid, I was a big superheroes guy. I, if it was a movie or if it was a toy and it was a superhero, um, I wanted to get my hands on it. One of my all-time favorites was Superman, which makes logical sense because he is the best superhero. Um, and so when I was little, of course, I wanted to be like Superman. I wanted to shoot lasers out of my eyeball. I wanted to be able to fly. I wanted to have, you know, immeasurable strength. And, um, and, and so there would be times that I would pretend I was Superman. I'd tie a little uh, towel around my neck if I couldn't find a cape readily. And, uh, and, and I would terrorize my sister. Apparently that's what Superman did when he was me. Um, and so uh, I decided one day that it was time for me to put my flying powers uh, to work. And um, I, uh, I, I wanted to start small, kind of like Spider-Man there at the beginning where he's testing his web. I wanted to start small, so I was like, I'm not going to go right up to the, the top of the house and fly around the neighborhood. We'll just stay, stay focused in the bedroom. So I had a bunk bed in my room, and I decided I'm just going to fly from the top of the bunk bed to the, the door at, at my house just to make sure that you know, I could control myself and all that. Um, was wise enough, you know, because I was still a little leery of, and my powers hadn't fully matured yet because of the Earth's yellow sun. It was cloudy where I was. So I wanted to make sure I, I had a safety plan, so I put some pillows. I made like a little trail from where my bed was to uh, where the door was just in case things got turbulent while I was making my way around. And so I perched myself on top of the bed. I fluffed my cape so it was ready to go, and I shot my little arm out and leapt off the side of the bed. To which I realized apparently my left leg was a lot stronger than my right leg, superpowers being what they are, and, uh, and so made my way towards the door, did not catch flight, and totally missed my pillow runway um, in my bedroom, land, landed on the hardwood floor, learned the hard way that those pyres had not yet developed. Um, and so... Uh, as a kid, this idea of, of having, uh, having someone to look up to, having an idol in your life, having someone that you want to emulate your life after, uh, was, was a part of my life growing up. Uh, we're going to be spending some time going through this series, Gods at War, and it was uh, uh, based on a book written um, by a gentleman by the name of Kyle Eidelman, which is kind of ironic. Uh, I guess if you have something like that in your last name, like Idol, you should be like, hey, maybe I'll write a book about this. And so... Um, we're going to spend some time over the next couple of weeks taking a look at some specific um, gods that are at war in our life. And today, um, we're just going to spend some time kind of introducing this idea. Um, and a lot of, a lot of this, this notion or this conversation about idols um, shows up uh, in the Ten Commandments. Um, in fact, the second commandment um, reads like this. God says that you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything, and you should not bow down to them and worship them. And so for a lot of us, when we saw that list of Ten Commandments, especially as a kid, when we, uh, if you were, had to memorize those for Sunday school or something growing up, there were some easy ones. Like there were some no-brainers that like, okay, I'm not going to kill people. That's an easy one. I can avoid the temptation to, to murder people. Stealing, you know, there was maybe some extra risk there, but I can avoid the temptation to, to kill. But like when I'm looking through the list of Ten Commandments, I chalk that one up to like an automatic check. I'm like, I'm not building any giant golden calves to worship. I don't even have access to gold. I'm 10 years old. Um, and so the, the notion of building an idol was, a, was an easy one on the checklist of the Ten Commandments for me to fill out. Um, but the reality is, um, 
when it comes to this idea of sin in our lives, uh, all of it boils down to this issue of idol worship. Um, Martin Luther puts it this way, you can't, break, you, uh, you can't break any of the other commandments without having first broken this one. Um, all of sin issues in our lives, all of, the, all of the problems that are between us and God, at its root boils down to a worship issue, boils down to an idol issue. And so it's no surprise that it's one of the most talked about things in the Bible because it is one of the commandments that we have broken more than any others. When we think of this notion of idols, we kind of believe it's an antiquated sort of idea, kind of like a, an old world issue, this erecting of these giant idols to worship and bring sacrifices to, things like that. We kind of think of it as a little bit of a primitive notion. But here's, here's the problem. The reality is who or what we worship is what we live for. Who or what we worship is what we live for. And so even though we might not have in your house a giant golden calf that you make sacrifices to, that you bring things to, that you pray to, the reality is we all have idol issues. As I struggle with my own sins and counsel different teenagers and different adults that are in my life about their sin issues, it's, it's easy for me to want to kind of jump at those obvious things, those obvious sin issues in their lives and be like, well, the reality is you just need to stop those things because they're sins and then you're not supposed to do that stuff. But as you dig down deeper, as you kind of go layer by layer a little bit deeper, you begin to realize that those sins, those sin issues, those identifiable things in our lives are really just the fruit of ultimately what is a worship issue, which ultimately what is an idol issue in our lives. And that the fruit or the, the symptoms of that worship issue uh, is, is idolatry. And so it turns into to the sins. It develops those things. Um, sin is, the, is kind of the tangible stuff we can see, but the root issue is idolatry. Um, so if you want to flip to Joshua, we're going to take a look in Joshua today and, uh, and find out a little bit more about what this notion of idol worship is in our lives. Um, one of the things that, uh, if you are, are familiar at all with Joshua, we're going to take a look at the end of Joshua and, and uh, actually the last chapter, chapter 24. And uh, Joshua has been with the Israelite people as they've escaped from captivity in Egypt, um, all the way back with Moses. So he's made his way out of there. Uh, Joshua has seen the walls of Jericho fall. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened uh, in Joshua's life. He's brought the Israelite people into the land of Canaan, where they're going to kind of reestablish their nation. And what we see here at the end of, uh, of Joshua in chapter 24, um, Joshua now is at the end of his life. He's about 110 years old. And uh, he's gathering everyone together for what will be kind of his last recorded words to them. And he has something that he wants to share with them. So we're going to take a look at Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. This is what it says. It says, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers, the gods that your forefathers served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are now living. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, as we spend time studying your word, as we spend time continuing to worship you, we pray that you would help to reveal to us um, what idol worship issues we have in our lives. 
so that we can place you at the highest place of honor where you deserve at the seat uh, of the throne of our hearts, Lord God. Um, We pray that uh, you would help us to hear clearly what your Holy Spirit wants to share to our hearts so that we can keep our lives in line with you. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He tells the people, choose this day whom you will serve. What God will you worship? And if you notice, there's one kind of conspicuously absent option uh, that's here in Joshua. If you notice, he, does, he doesn't say to them, or you could, you could worship the gods of your, your father, your forefathers, your ancestors. You could worship the gods of the people that are, you are currently uh, in the land that you're possessing. But he doesn't say, or you can choose not to worship anything at all. It's not an option. Because the reality is, for us, choosing not to worship something isn't an option for us either. Um, it's it's built into our very DNA. It was, it, it's actually the very reason that we were created. We were created to worship God. And so whether you're a religious person or not, whether you, you ascribe to a higher being or not, the reality is because you were created this way, you were built to worship. We were built to worship, to make sacrifices, to give our lives to something. It's just built into our very DNA. And so there's not this option to not worship anything because all of us worship something. Everyone worships something. If you were to skydive and, and, and parachute into the deepest, darkest jungle, the most remote places where nobody has ever been outside of the people that live in that particular little tribe, you will find that they worship some sort of God. No one taught them that. No one said you need to worship something. You need to have some sort of religious experience. It's built into the, to them because we are created with this need to worship. And so whether it's a, a, um, an astrological God or whether it's a nature kind of God, they, they worship something. If you go to our cultural uh, hubs, our main, our main sites, New York City, L.A., Paris, you will find even irreligious people, people that don't have any spiritual background, you'll find that they all worship something. Their gods might not look the same as a giant golden calf, but they worship the god of power. They worship the god of success. They worship the god of influence. And so all of us worship something. Um, Kind of the best definition for worship is whatever we give our lives to. That's the simplest definition of worship. What is it that you give your life to? And the reality is we all give our lives to something. Worshiping nothing is not an option. And so Joshua says, you need to make a choice. Let's go through the choices really quickly that he gives them. He gives them kind of three main choices. But uh, the first choice that he gives them is you can worship the gods of your fathers, which is something that we often do. We worship uh, the god of success. We worship the god of hard work. Uh, We worship the god of occupation because that's what our dads worship. They worked hard. They went to work. They provided for their family. Some of us worship the god of family. We worship our kids. We worship our spouse because that's what, that's what mom did growing up, right? She took care of the kids. She made sure the family was together. Everybody was wearing clothes. didn't matter if the socks were matched as long as they had socks on as they walked out of the house, right? We worship the gods of our fathers, we worship, uh, of our ancestors. So because we've seen them worship those gods, those are the gods that we tend to worship. The second option that he gives them is you could worship the gods of the Canaanites and the Egyptians in this new area that they live. And those kind of represent the gods of the culture. They moved into this new area. And, and for us, that's also a type of god that we worship as well. Uh, and so we worship the gods of our culture. We worship success. We worship power. Uh, we worship things, stuff. 
because that's what our that's what our culture worships. And so a lot of us choose the gods of our culture. Uh, we see it all the time, uh, actually, in in permeated throughout our culture, whether it be in our music, whether it be in our videos, uh, movies that we watch. But one of the greatest places that you can see this show up is in our commercials. One of the things I love about this being Super Bowl Sunday is it's kind of known for football, but it's also known for uh, commercials. And so those of you who don't necessarily care about the football games, a lot of people just tune in for the commercials. Um, I actually found uh, a commercial that we'll be releasing tonight, so no spoilers, but because it's just a commercial about a car. But I want you to take a look, and I want you to kind of identify the, uh, the the idolatry that is in it real quick and we'll chat about it maybe it was the reality is our culture is permeated with uh, idolic messages you see it's because of the way that we're that we're wired that marketing campaigns their their whole job if you're a if you're a marketer or if you're a uh, advertiser your job is to find out how to, how to get at the heart of people. And so they understand worship, they understand idolatry as good as anybody because they know that if they can get at the heart of the worshiper with whatever the product is that they're selling, uh, then they'll, they'll draw you in. And so the, our, the commercials that we see, all of them are, are presented to us kind of like functional saviors. So if we go to the right restaurant, we'll finally be satisfied, right? If we buy the right stuff, we'll finally be happy. Um, even this car will protect Ryan Reynolds from being hit by a car. When you are just so distracted, this car will be your savior and won't kill the one that you love. But um, the, the, we find that all these commercials have these God characteristics. I'm gonna ru- it's going to basically ruin your night tonight when you're watching commercials because you're going to see idol worship issues show up in all of these commercials. But they're trying to sell you a savior. If you're unhappy or if you're bored, if you're depressed, then eat here and you'll be satisfied. Buy this thing and you'll be happy again. <clears throat> It'll deal with whatever that issue is. Our entire economy, in fact, is based on the fact that we are idolaters. Got to make, polish it up, make it look beautiful and show it to you. And that's what we want. That's what we're obsessed with. And it doesn't mean that those things are evil. It doesn't mean that those things are wrong, but they can still be false gods for us. Some of the things, in fact, are really good, like don't kill Ryan Reynolds. That's a good thing. Um, but if we, if we allow, it, allow things to go to its logical extreme, these things become for us our saviors. And it happens very subtly. A good thing can become a God thing very quickly. Some of us may still have some issues with a, uh, with a tying into this notion of idols, tying in with this notion of idolatry. We may still kind of believe it's not really an issue for us because we aren't worshiping these other things. And so I've got a couple of questions that I want to ask you today. I've got six specific questions that I think will help us identify what are some potential air, uh, idol issues in our lives. So if you're writing anything down today, these six questions are going to be good ones for you to jot down uh, and reflect on. We won't have the opportunity to reflect on all of them, uh, but I want you to be able to take them with you and spend some time considering them. Here's the first question. What has left you feeling most disappointed? What has, felt, what has left you feeling the most disappointed? When we feel overwhelmed with disappointment, it often is because of idolatry. When we have made something more important than it should be, when we have put our hope in something other than God, 
Are you disappointed with your financial status? Are you not where you want to be financially with the security that you have? Um, are you disappointed in your children? Are they not obeying the way that they're supposed to? Are you disappointed with your marriage? Are you disappointed with your sex life? Are you disappointed with your job? This is one indicator that your disappointments um, may be a potential idol issue. Another way to think about it is, what are the things that you complain the most about? Often the things that we complain the most about are the things that have not lived up to our expectations. And usually those things that we are most disappointed in, we have put at too high of a place of honor in our lives. And when they don't follow through, when they don't show up, when they don't meet our needs, then they become for us an idle issue. Erwin Lutzer puts it this way, have you ever thought that our disappointments are God's way of reminding us that there are idols in our lives that must be dealt with? The reason why we get disappointed with our spouse when they let us down is because a lot of times we have put them at a place of honor that was only worthy of a perfect God. The reason why sometimes we get disappointed in our jobs is because we, find, we feel like it should help us find our purpose. It should help us find why we exist, what the point of our lives is. The reason why we get disappointed with the stuff that we buy and we can never seem to get enough is because we believe that it should satisfy us, that it should make us complete, it should make us whole. And then the next iPhone comes out and we realize how utterly useless the one we have in our hand is. The things that are most disappointing to us often could be indicative of an idle issue. Here's the second question. What do you sacrifice your time and money for? Um, This is just a warning. This is the one that jacked me up the most. Um, When it comes to our resources, when it comes to the things that that we have, the limited resources that we might have, what are the things that we sacrifice our time and our money for? The word service, um, the word serving shows up seven times in Joshua 24 verses um, 14 and 15. And in the Bible it says in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. We, serve, we all serve something. We all give our lives to something. We all allow something to guide and direct our lives. And oftentimes, the things that we invest our time and our money in are the things that we most quickly uh, allow to become idols in our lives. Another way that you might be able to think of this question is, is what are the first things that your paycheck goes to? What are the first things that you're, the resources that you have when you take a slice out of the pie? What comes out first? And, and sometimes they're good things. Um, you know, the, usually it's the big ticket stuff, like I gotta pay my mortgage so that I have a place for my family to live, a place to protect them so that they aren't, uh, they don't die of exposure. It's the car that helps us get from place to place. It's clothing that we need. It's, it's this, it's that, it's the other thing. And so what are the things that our money goes to first? Those are sometimes things that are potential idle issues for us. Another way that you could think about this too is what dictates your schedule with the time that you have. Usually money and time are the two resources that are most, um, most potentially limiting in our lives. And so what things dictate your schedule? What things do you work around? What sacrifices do you make for the sake of work? for your job? What sacrifices do you make for the sake of play? What time sacrifices do you give to Netflix? You know, really important sorts of things. Um, what, what time sacrifice um, dictates your schedule as it relates to your kids? 
Uh, the choices that you are making revolve around the life of your children. So you got to take Junior to this place right after school, and then after that you got to get them from point A to point B, and then maybe we'll squeeze a little bit of dinner in there before they have to go to the next place and do the next thing, and then hopefully they can get a little bit of homework done before they go to bed and we start the cycle all over again the next day. And I'm not saying that kids are bad, but I am saying that when we make sacrifices to our children, when we make sacrifices to our spouses, when we make sacrifices with our jobs, when we make sacrifices with our time and with our money, then those are potential idol worship issues for us. See, that's the nature of a God in our life. All gods, whether it be this God or whether it be the God of money, the God of pleasure, the God of power— Every God requires some sort of sacrifice. And so what do you sacrifice? What do you sacrifice of your time and your money? Here's the third question. What do you worry about? What do you worry about? Another way of thinking of it is, what scares you the most? What are you terrified about losing? Um, Fear of not reaching a certain level of success Maybe it's fear of people not liking you. Maybe it's a fear of being alone for a lot of us. What sorts of things weigh on your mind constantly? What are the things that wake you up in the middle of the night that you're panicked about? Or what are the things that don't allow you to go to sleep at night because they're constantly running their way through your minds? For me, um, again, sometimes good things can be idle things. For me, quite honestly, um, ministry is a, is a potential idle issue for me. Being a pastor is, has, has the potential for me of being an idle issue. Um, when it comes to uh, doing my job, when it comes to, to, to serving, there's, there's certain sacrifices that need to be made. So I think to myself, well, if I spend a little bit more time building a ridiculous podium that has a little me god on the top of it if i spend more time uh, um, talking to this person if i spent more time uh, doing this sort of thing if i spent more time making sure that the things that i say people like so i don't say anything offensive because they might not want to hear what god is really telling me that they need to hear and so i don't i i, I might change the wording of something here or there because i don't want to upset the people that are out there the approval that i need if i'm worried about how a parent is going to respond to the way that i'm uh, i'm sharing my life with one of their students it can affect what exactly God might be calling me to do, and so I've got all these things that play these scenarios in my mind. And the reality is, even sometimes great things, like ministry sorts of things, can become for us an idol if my approval is found in anyone other than God. And it happens all the time. So the question is, what do you worry about the most? Those are things that could potentially be an idol issue for you. Here's the fourth question. Where is your sanctuary? And I don't mean 4220 Fay Road Grace right here is the sanctuary that, uh, that we meet in for worship. <clears throat> what I mean is where do you go when you're hurt and you need comfort? Where is that safe place? Where is that sanctuary that you can run to, that place that you can go when you just need to escape, when you just need to get away? 
For a lot of people, the internet is a great place to escape. It's a great sanctuary. You can escape into social media, whether it be looking at other people's lives and kind of dreaming about what your life could be. Um, maybe it's pornography. You slip away into kind of this, uh, this fake world, this pretend world to try to get away from all the stuff that's going on in your life. Maybe it's uh, you turn to social media to try to get the approval of other people. I'll say what a horrible day I had today so that somebody might say, oh, I'm so sorry um, uh, that those terrible things are happening, or to, to connect and realize that there's other people that are having a terrible time out there as well. Maybe you turn to food because food brings with it this chemical kind of response, this comfort, this, uh, this good feeling that we have. And so we turn to food a lot of times. Maybe it's stuff that we turn to. And if I fill my lives with all this great stuff, then, I, then, then, uh, then it'll make me complete. It'll make me whole again. It'll bring my life into purpose again if I have all these things. Maybe it's a relationship that you have. If only there was somebody else in my life so I wasn't alone, then my life would be complete. There's lots of things that we can make and go to for comfort. Another way of, of looking at it is, what is it that you go to first instead of God for comfort? What do you turn to first? What do you turn to instinctively instead of God? But we're all going to go for comfort somewhere. Um, and, and sometimes the things that are in our life that, that bring us comfort will help us to identify what God is winning the war of our hearts. In Psalm uh, 46, the Bible tells us that God is our refuge and our strength, our hope, in, uh, our hope and our help in times of trouble. So much so that we, will, that, that, we, that we will not fear, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. God is our refuge and our strength. That even so, we, wouldn't, we don't even freak out if the mountains just decide to poof, collapse and fall into a hole somewhere. Right? Sounds pretty good to me. And yet we run to all of these other things for comfort in our lives. I'm a dad of five kids, five girls, Right? If anybody has fear, if anybody has worry in their lives, it's dad, right? And uh, my wife and I were talking the other day as we were kind of sitting around, we're like, we've got five girls, five girls. I was like, we need a really big dog, like a, like a really, like when our girls get older and they go running somewhere or, or they're just out and about, I want something attached to their hip that's just frothing at the mouth, right? Throw a couple of Alka-Seltzer in there or something just to spice it up a little bit more. Something that anybody that looks at them thinks, ah, it's just not worth it, just not worth it. Um, but, but the reality is I, I'm, I have concern, I'm worried, I'm fearful, I, I need to make sure that my kids are okay. I need to make sure that, that they're safe and they're protected. And when it then begins to, to dawn on me, who is it that truly protects my kids? Who is it that, that truly watches over them? Who is it that has them in the hand, has them in their hand? Not some frothy dog. Um, but, uh, but to be able to, to know that God will protect them, God will watch over them. Um, one of the, you, some of you have, may have heard uh, me share our testimony before about our twins. Um, when, we, when we had an ultrasound about halfway through the, <clears throat> the pregnancy period, um, they identified that uh, one, of the, one of our twins had club feet, which basically means um, both, of their, both of her feet were turned 90 degrees inside. <clears throat> and they began to prepare us for what this life could look like 
for her, especially for the first couple of years of her life. It's a fixable thing, but the reality is for like the first two years of, of her life, she would be in full casts from her hip all the way down to her feet. And slowly they would turn her feet so that, they, so that her feet would turn out um, the, correct, the correct way. And when, we be, when I began to think about what life would look like for this poor, precious baby girl, for the first two years of her life, while she sees her sisters running around and having fun, while she sees her twin sister running around, she's going to be locked into this so that her feet can be correct. And, and thank goodness, because of the wisdom of my wife and some of the, the wise people in our family around us, we immediately went to prayer, immediately went to God and said, God, we desperately need your hand of protection. This poor baby girl, what she's going to have to endure. God, just just touch her and bless her. And, and if you've ever seen any of them running around here, you would know the, the first baby came out and uh, I checked her feet. I was like, I'm kind of nervous. I want to see what this looks like. The first baby came out, feet looked okay. I was like, all right, there's two of them in there. Um, maybe it's the second one. The second baby comes out. I'm looking at her feet. I'm like, I'm not a doctor, but I think feet are supposed to be forward. These both look forward to me. So I'm, I'm asking, the, they're, they're busy trying to do a bunch of stuff. I'm asking the nurses, the doctors, can you look at her feet? We were told that, that, she, was, that she might have club feet. They look a little, they, they, they seem fine to me. I'm not so sure. They immediately, of course, are wrapped her up, but we peek in, we look, everything looks fine. So thankfully, the, the, the end of the story ends well for our daughter that, um, that, uh, that she did not have to endure this. But, but would God still be the God of the throne of my heart if he hadn't straightened her feet out? Would he still be sovereign if he chose in that, in that moment not to answer that prayer? Would, I, would he still be the Lord of my life if he didn't do what I wanted him to do, if he didn't bring me the result that I was looking for. That's hard for me to say because, thank God, he showed up and he, and he answered that prayer. And I'd like to think that that would be true, but it's hard to say. What do you run to for comfort first? What do you run to? Here's the fifth question. What makes you mad? What makes you mad have you ever been surprised how something can just unexpectedly make you angry, right? For me, in my car, that's where I sin the most. <laughs> the most sinning takes place in my car. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, somebody, somebody cuts me off. Someone doesn't turn their blinker on. Someone's not going as fast as I'd like to go. Immediately, I, I just rapidly come to a boil. And I'm like, where did that come from? Why would, why would that upset me so much? You know, why would I allow this stranger to have such power over my emotions? Maybe it's, your, maybe it's your spouse. Your spouse disrespects you, and you immediately begin to start yelling. Maybe it's your kids. They, they aren't obeying you. They're not doing what you ask them to do, even though they're two years old, and they can't even do the things that they want to do, much less the things that you're asking them to do. And so you immediately you just snap at them, and you start yelling. Um, I, I heard a story uh, just, just the other week. Uh, about a, uh, some police found a little two-year-old um, just just wandering in the street. She didn't have any shoes on, um, and her parents the, the parents had abandoned her. They didn't want her anymore, and so they literally just let her out of the house. And I began to think to myself, who would do that? That is ridiculous. And then immediately my heart thought, how quickly I get angry at my girls. How quickly I just begin to, some ridiculous thing happens, and I'm just as prone to it as anybody else. It's amazing what just makes me mad. 
what, what rapidly begins to, to affect what I'm having. And, and what will happen a lot of times is this will begin to reveal to you one of the oldest idols that has ever existed, the God of me, the God of self, the things that aren't convenient, the things that don't happen the way that, they, that you want them to, the way that they were supposed to happen. Those are the things that sometimes are indicative of potential idol issues in our lives. Here's the last question. What do you dream of? What do you dream of? What are you most passionate about? Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's the freedom of retirement just around the corner. Or maybe it's um, the, the, the future that you have in store for your family, what the future will look like for your family. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's your appearance. Maybe it's the way you look or the way you feel or the way that you want to look, the way that you want to feel, um, that you dream about. If only I could achieve these sorts of things. And those aren't necessarily bad things. Um, but it is possible that one of those things can become for us more important than God. And so we will begin to make sacrifices for those things. We'll begin to, to, to make decisions based on fulfilling whatever those dreams are. And so often, a lot of times in our lives, those things will begin to supersede things that God might be calling us to because they're inconvenient or because they don't get us the goals that we're looking for, the trajectory that we're trying to head in. And so Joshua identifies these gods at war within us, and then he throws down this challenge. He says, choose this day whom you will serve. And what's interesting is, is, uh, is the verb tense that's used here. It's, it's, not, it's not just a one-time decision. Um, this, this idea of choosing is an ongoing, everyday, moment-by-moment decision of who is it that you're going to worship. Um, as I said before, in the, in, the, in the second of the Ten Commandments, it says, God says, you shall not make for yourself an idol in any form of anything, and you shall not bow down to it and worship them. And that's usually the part that we're most familiar with. But then it goes on and it says this, for the Lord your God is a jealous God. The Lord your God is a jealous God. And that's okay if you're God. It's okay to be a jealous God. It's okay for God to want to be the only God in your life. In other words, he's not interested in sharing the throne of your heart with anyone else. It's kind of like if, you're, if you're, your husband or your wife decided they, they, they wanted to just kind of go dating outside of the marriage, so to speak, They're, how that would affect us. Like they, there isn't anything else that God wants but then to be the only God of your life. He's not interested in sharing it with anyone else. Anyone else. And so God oftentimes, will, he'll put himself in direct, um, in direct competition with those things that are potential idols in our lives. He'll put himself in direct opposition of those things. And he'll say to us, choose today who you will worship. Will it be me or will it be these other things? Will it be power? Will it be yourself? Will it be pleasure? Those sorts of things. Choose today who you will serve. He doesn't give us an option of making him one of many. He wants to be the only God of our life. God knows that our heart is the battlefield and that that is where the war is won. 
All of these questions, these, the, the questions that I asked, help us to get at the heart of the matter. It helps us to identify the source of our sin issues. It'll help us to identify our potential idols. Let's think of it in this scenario. Imagine you're um, walking through the woods. You're just enjoying it. It's the, it's the picture-perfect day. The temperature is exactly whatever you want it to be. And you're walking through the, you're walking through the woods, and you kind of get through this little bit of a clearing, and there's a, this beautiful stream Um, right by where you're at, and you begin to look around and you notice um, that there's garbage everywhere. There's just trash everywhere. Even the the water kind of has this film on it from the pollution and stuff that's in the stream, and you're like, this is such a beautiful area. Like, I I can't leave it like this. And maybe you think, I'll just go and and let somebody else deal with it, but you kind of have this built in. You're like, no, I can't leave it like this. This is too beautiful of a place to leave it in this. And so you begin to to pick up some of the trash. You begin to gather it together uh, to take out of there. And, And you spend the entire day there cleaning up the trash. And even at the end of the day, when it's starting to get dark and you need to go, you recognize that there's that you've just kind of made a little dent in all of the garbage that's there. And you're like, I, I got to come back tomorrow and I got to come back every day until I get all of this trash taken care of. And so you come back the next day determined, ready to take another little chunk out of the trash. And when you get there, you realize not only the trash that you took away, not only is more trash moved into that spot, but there's even more trash than was there when you were there the day before. You start to think to yourself, well, this is ridiculous. There's no way that if I just come every day and pick up trash, that there's just going to be more trash that comes back right in its place. Well, what's the point of this? It would be foolish. And so you decide, I'm going to walk upstream a little bit and find out where all of this trash is coming from. And as you make your way up the stream, you realize up the stream away is, is a garbage dump. And trucks are just backing up to the water and just dumping trash into the, into the water. And it's just making its way down. The reality is it's, it's true for our own lives as well. If, if we begin to identify those sin issues in our lives, if we begin to try to, to, to deal with those individual sin issues, but we don't attack it at the source, more stuff is just going to keep flooding in, keep flooding in, keep flooding in. And it gets frustrating, right? Because we, we, we de- we're determined that we're going to take care of this issue, um, statistics say last week was the week that everyone has kind of officially no longer been following their New Year's resolutions. Uh, the second week of February is when the rest of us are just like, ah, forget about it, we're done, right? We don't have the strength, we don't have the determination to do it on our own, and we certainly don't have the endurance to do it if we're just taking care of, of the, the symptoms and we're not getting at the root of the issue. And for most of us, in fact, It's safe to say for all of us, the root, the source, is a worship issue. It's an idolatry issue. But here's the good news. The good news is that God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for that worship issue in our lives. He's come to take care of that for us. Jeremy, if you want to come up, bud. Jesus, and God recognized in his infinite wisdom that as soon as our eyes were awakened, so to speak, um, with Adam and Eve, we began immediately to worship other things. We began, our, our heart is an idol factory. Our heart loves nothing more than to produce idols, something to worship, something to follow, something uh, to, to give our lives to. But Jesus came, he, he came to earth, the Son of God came to earth, lived a perfect, sinless life 
in our place and then ultimately laid his life down for us, gave his life up so that our relationship with God could be restored. You see, God is a jealous God. And when we begin to worship other things, when we allow sin to enter into our lives, he's not interested in any other competition. And so there was a break between us and between God. And Jesus came in and he stepped in at just the right moment and took care of that sin issue in our lives, laid his life down so that we could worship without this, with, without this interruption. Will we get it right every time? Absolutely not. That's also why there is ongoing forgiveness that is found at the feet of Jesus. There's mercy and there's grace that constantly pours out for our benefit. So this morning, what I'd like to do to close is I'm just going to give you a couple moments to, to pray on your own here, just right where you're at. And there may have been one or two of those questions that immediately jumped out at you as a, as a question that, that might identify for you a potential idol, a potential uh, a God at war in the battlefield of your heart. And I want you to just take some time to talk to God really quickly and say, God, I need your Holy Spirit to help root this out. Because the reality is, uh, even if we identify what the idol is, we don't possess the ability to clean that stuff out on our own. It still needs to be the work of the Holy Spirit. So we're just going to take a moment really quickly. I'm just going to give you a moment to pray. It won't be nearly enough, so it'll be a time that you'll have to, and then I'll close us in prayer together.